Hey there in St. Louis. People are violently protesting the death of a suspected heroin dealer. If you think that's just stupid, you're listening to the right podcast. Meanwhile, in Hollywood, millionaire movie stars prove they can pat themselves on the back with one hand while giving you the finger with the other. The great troll Michael Knowles will be here to discuss that. And it looks like an interesting week upcoming in politics, so we'll talk about that too. But first... Large celebrations continue in St. Louis in the wake of the acquittal of former police officer Jason Stockley for his shooting of suspected drug dealer Anthony Lamar Smith. Black Lives Matter advocates are carrying signs saying, thanks, Officer Stockley, and many express their delight that one of the members of the thin blue line that protects black lives from criminals like heroin dealers will not be punished for doing his job. As BLM spokeswoman Letitia Unicorn told reporters, quote, if there's one thing I've learned as a black woman who has experienced real prejudice in this life, it's that a person should never be judged by the color of his skin. I don't care if a police officer is white. He's there to protect me and my neighborhood, and I don't want some lowlife who's out there selling poison to my neighbors to have even the slightest chance of doing him harm. So I'm personally thrilled that Officer Stockley has been found not guilty, unquote. In the wake of the verdict, activists gathered in mostly low-income black neighborhoods to voluntarily paint houses and sweep the sidewalks in front of storefronts in order to raise property values and bring a greater sense of dignity and pride to the area. Interviewed as he was helping to repair a porch step, the Reverend Al Fantasy Jr. told a reporter, quote, Every time I see the video that shows that heroin dealer ramming his car twice into Officer Stockley's police vehicle, I'm just so glad it was the dealer who died and not an officer of the law, unquote. In an impromptu sermon on the sidewalk, the Reverend Fantasy told local men that in honor of Officer Stockley's victory, they should start to repent of their sinful ways and marry the women who bore their children. If we start to take a little responsibility for ourselves around here, the reverend said, maybe we won't have so many drug dealers in our neighborhoods and our police officers won't have to shoot them to protect themselves, us, and our families, unquote. Covering the jubilant demonstrations on the street, CNN reporter Lance Gormless told anchorman Wolf Blitzer, quote, you know, Wolf, when I look around and see the relief on these good people's faces because they know that police officers like Jason Stockley won't be discouraged from doing what needs to be done to keep their neighborhoods safe, it makes me think maybe we at CNN should stop slanting our stories in order to turn thugs into heroes and cops into criminals. Not only would that be a tremendous help in improving these suffering urban areas, but it might increase our viewership if we told the truth from time to time." Unquote. The celebration of Officer Stockley's acquittal is scheduled to last until I wake up and return to reality when everything will be stupid again. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. <laughs> All right, the Clavenless weekend is over. I like that opening. It was like being on a drug trip, you know. It was <laughs> kind of like three minutes of LSD. Michael Knowles will be here to talk about the Emmys. And uh, we've got, you know, I have to tell you, we've got this thing, the conversation, which is coming up tomorrow, right? 
Ben Shapiro will be on Facebook Live at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. He'll be there for a whole hour. Uh, anyone can watch, but if you subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month, you can ask him questions yourself and he will answer them. And if you subscribe for a year for a lousy 100 bucks, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr and Actually, while Ben speaks, the Leftist Tears Tumblr magically fills up with Leftist Tears. Uh, so that really works very well. It all kind of comes together if you're a subscriber. I've been talking, speaking of Michael Knowles, I w I've been talking for a while about the, the fact that he and I are putting together this podcast of my latest book. And we're, we've been working on it. And it has been, I have to tell you, we thought it was going to be a breeze it has been, we have run into so many problems. We are coming, overcoming them one by one, but it is unbelievable. The sound work that we're trying to find engineers who put the thing together and give us this, the kind of quality we need. So the other day I thought like, how do I find out about this? And I went on Skillshare and I just, you know, uh, searched doing a podcast and up comes video after video after video, how to do a podcast. I, I haven't watched those yet, but I have watched others on writing and things that I know about and they are really useful. What they are is they're video classes, video classrooms, and it's an online, Skillshare is an online learning community with over 17,000 classes in design, business, and more. You can learn everything from logo design to social media marketing to street photography, podcasting, which is a good thing to learn about, unlimited access to all of this for one low monthly price. So you never have to pay per class again, and you don't get that thing you get on so many apps where they're in the middle of the class, and suddenly it you know runs out, and you have to uh, you have to pay more. That doesn't happen. You yeah. just pay the one fee, and it's all kinds of things: design, photography, marketing, entrepreneurship, tech, business, other things like cooking, water, color, and calligraphy. If you're trying to change your profession, trying to get better at your profession, or just trying to learn a new hobby, Skillshare is giving my listeners a month of unlimited access, absolutely free, so you can try it out. Go to www.skillshare.com slash Andrew to redeem a free month. www.skillshare.com slash Andrew. You get a free month. You can try out all the classes. Uh, really interesting stuff and, and worthwhile. All right, just let's take a quick survey before I want to talk about St. Louis, then we'll get to the Emmys with uh, Knowles. But before that, I just want to say we've got a very interesting week in politics coming up ahead. Tomorrow, Trump is going to address the UN, which should be really, really interesting. We'll talk about that tomorrow, I guess. He's going to be talking to uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, sending a little message to him. I think Nikki Haley, our ambassador to the UN, sounds like she is just about done. Like the whole, the whole diplomacy thing was fun to try, but we're moving on. Dana Bash said to her, when Trump said he's going to deliver fire and fury, was that just an empty threat? Listen to her response. The president said last month that North Korea would face fire and fury if it continues to threaten the U.S. and its allies. Well, since the president said that, North Korea has really done nothing but threaten the U.S. and its allies. North Korea threatened Guam. North Korea fired two missiles over Japan and tested a hydrogen bomb. So was the president's fire and fury remark an empty threat? It was not an empty threat. What we were doing was being responsible. Where North Korea is being irresponsible and reckless, we were being responsible by trying to use every diplomatic possibility that we could possibly do. We have pretty much exhausted all the things that we could do at the Security Council at this point. Now, I said yesterday, I'm perfectly happy kicking this over to General Mattis because he has plenty of military options. So I think that the fire and fury, while he said this is what we can do to North Korea, we wanted to be responsible and go through all diplomatic means to get their attention first. If that doesn't work, General Mattis will take care of it. 
<laughs> that's, that's a pretty big threat. So that's going to be interesting to see what Trump is talking about in the U.N. Also, this is the other thing that this is kind of sneaking under the radar. The Senate may revisit the health care, the Obamacare thing, the repeal and replace. Lindsey Graham, of all people, who is Mr. Security. I mean, I don't know what he knows. It's kind of a it's kind of weird when the the security expert in the Senate is putting up a health care bill. But he's got a bill that basically turns control of health care markets over the states. As he as Graham puts it, if you like your uh, Obamacare, you can keep your Obamacare. But if you don't, you can get rid of it to the states. Interesting. They're th saying they'll vote on that if they can put together uh, 50 votes. And the other one, this one, this is a dopey story. The Paris Climate Accords. The Wall Street Journal run, runs a piece saying Trump is not going to pull out of the Climate Paris Accords. So now they've got all these different officials. They have uh, the National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster. He says, no, that story is untrue. Here's McMaster. That's a false report. The president decided to pull out of the Paris Accord because it was a bad deal for the American people and because it, it was it was a bad deal for the environment. It gave the worst polluters the ability to continue polluting and emitting carbon and, and, and without significantly reducing those levels. The president is committed to the cleanest water on Earth, the cleanest air on Earth, to an energy policy that reduces carbon emissions, but then also provides clean fossil fuels to, to generate growth in this country and, and globally. And, and these priorities, he felt we could not pursue effectively within this flawed agreement. So he's out of the Paris Climate he's Accord. He's out of the pa Paris Climate Accord, but he said the door's open. Just If you look at what he said on the day that he announced withdrawing from the accord, he said at some point in the future, if there can be, if there can be a deal that addresses these fundamental but flaws, the allies said they're not going to renegotiate. Well, the, the president's ears are open, though. So, so now the story is, well, we said he was and he is or isn't he? Are we in? Are we out? It's like Ocean's Eleven. Are we in or are we out? You know, it's all, all the same. When you go, McMaster is absolutely right. Go back to Trump's announcement. This was back in June. It's exactly what he said. Listen, listen to this. The United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord but begin negotiations to re-enter either the Paris Accord or in really entirely new transaction on terms that are fair to the United States, its businesses, its workers, its people, its taxpayers. So we're getting out, but we will start to negotiate and we will see if we can make a deal that's fair. And if we can, that's great. And if we can't, that's fine. <laughs> so the story is everything is exactly the same, except the press is confused. That's the story. The story is they keep saying, oh, we're in, we're out, we're betrayed. If he, is he stabbed us in the back? He's doing exactly what he said he was doing. It's not even a story. All right, we're going to talk about St. Louis and then the Emmys. But first, you know, I've, been, I've talked a lot about Omaha Steaks because they sent me a couple of their uh, meat packages, and they are so incredibly good. It really is a different level of meat, and you grill it out in the back, and it's just really terrific. And they have some skillet meals and all this stuff. Now they have got a new offer if you want to share this as a gift or if you want to even just get a, a huge 
dose of uh, Omaha steaks for yourself. They have got this new package they are advertising uh, that will you can send it right to people and they, you will get tons of genuine aged steaks, premium meats, and it comes with everything you want. It's got a Weber kettle grill and accessories, and they also have a sm smoking experience and a sous vide experience. This is supposed to be the way, sous vide is supposed to be this way that you can get an absolutely perfect steak. It's cooking with water. I don't really know what it is, but you know, that's, that's supposed to be. It's an incredibly memorable gift experience delivered to anyone's door and 100% guaranteed satisfaction. You can send this exclusive gift package. It is just $499, but listen to what you get. I mean, it's a lot of money, but this really is going to last. It's for a giant selection of meats plus everything you need to start grilling today. Tons of filet mignon, New York strips, ribeyes, and T-bone steaks, gourmet brats, signature burgers, pork chops, chicken breasts, Omaha Steaks gourmet steak rubs, char charcoal chimney starter, digital meat thermometer, complete grilling tool set, plus you'll get a 22-inch Weber original kettle grill. Really good deal for just a, lou a lousy 500 bucks. And just for my listeners, the new package delivers for only $499. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Andrew in the search bar, and choose your ultimate Omaha Steaks experience. Again, visit omahasteaks.com and enter code Andrew in the search bar to get this one-of-a-kind experience today. And uh, like I said, their meat is really at another level. It really is another, another thing to start eating. So it's good stuff. All right. I'm sure you've heard about these riots, not riots, it's too strong, these protests in St. Louis. They are peaceful during the day. At night, there's been like, I don't know, somewhere around 100 arrests. Uh, policemen have been attacked. Windows have been broken. And, and you know, at this point, I know I just sort of hear these stories out of the corner of my ear. But I saw, thought, let me find out what this is about. Okay, so in 2011, Jason Stockley, a police officer at the time, now he's living, he's not an officer anymore, he's now living in Houston. Jason Stockley and his partner, Brian Bianchi, pull up in back of a guy who's parked in the parking lot of a church's chicken, and he's selling drugs. I mean, that's, that. He's. I, I have to say alleged, because it's never proved, but the, according to the police officers, and they've got him on video, he's going in and out of the store, he's going back to his car. Later, according to the police officers, again, they found heroin in his car. He's, you know, he's going in and out. They park in back of him, the guy jumps in his car, rams the police officers twice. By the way, in the New York Times version of this, and the New York Times is like always prides themselves on their being the complete story, all the news that's fit to print. They leave this out. He rams the cop car twice. So he's using his vehicle as a deadly weapon, takes off. Stockley and Bianchi chase after him. It's a three-minute high-speed chase. At some point, the car spins out of control. Uh, the, the alleged uh, dealer, the accused heroin dealer, uh, Smith, crashes the car. You hear Stockley on tape, according to the court transcripts, he says, we're going to kill this MF. Don't you know it, okay? I mean, who knows if he's serious or not, but at this, at this point he is. He gets out, the other cop gets out, they surround him, they shout, get out of the car. There are lots of cops looking in. The, according to the testimony of the police officers, he doesn't get out of the car. Smith doesn't get out of the car. He's rooting around in the car and Stockley sees a gun, opens fire, and kills him. 2011, right? Nothing happens. 2016, five years later, they bring him up on charges of murder. Stockley says, I don't want to, I waive my right to a jury trial. I just want to judge because he doesn't want it to get, I guess, I'm, this is me guessing, I guess he doesn't want it to be all emotional. He wants the judge to rationally take a look at it. The judge looks at it, 
Now, remember, this is five, six years later. This, the prosecutor said there was new evidence, but nobody knows what this evidence was. Judge, Judge Timothy Wilson acquits Stockley, says, look, anybody in that situation says, I'm, might say, I'm going to kill that guy. We don't know the context and all this. They claimed, the prosecution claimed that the gun that they found in Smith's car was planted because only Stockley's DNA was on it. But any DNA expert will tell you that it's very hard to get DNA off a gun. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that it wasn't Smith's gun. And in a, what is the big controversial statement everyone's pointing to, Judge Timothy Wilson said, for an urban heroin dealer not to have a gun would be an anomaly in my experience as a judge. And everybody said, oh, he said urban, he meant black. Well, hey, you know, an urban, if, if all he meant was urban, that works too, right? An urban heroin dealer is going to have a gun in the experience of this judge. Here is Stockley, the, the former officer, uh, addressing this after the gag order is, is taken off. This is uh, cut number four. I did not murder Anthony Lamar Smith. I did not plant a gun. As I testified at trial uh, and in, to homicide on the day of, uh, it was an imminent threat to my life. I had to. It's, the taking of a life is the most significant thing that one can do. And it's not something that is done lightly. And it's not something that should ever be celebrated and it's just a horrible experience altogether but sometimes it's necessary okay and he talks he goes on to talk about the fact that when a guy is a resisting arrest it always looks bad and i know this from experience i've seen a lot of arrests i've been around a lot of cops when somebody resists arrest the cops have to react violently a lot of times there's so much violence because they're trying not to hurt the guy so five cops will pile on him because if one cop takes him on you really have to hurt somebody to bring him down but if five cops pile on they can wrestle him to the ground it always looks ugly and he talks about the fact that you have to look at the facts and the facts clear him now these demonstrations they're all you know there was a really these demonstrations have gotten violent but most of the people at these demonstrations are probably not are not being violent okay and so that's and that's not the point i mean the point is the point is why on earth how on earth did the world get so morally turned upside down that this neighborhood goes out and gets upset over the death of an alleged heroin dealer who, let's face it, I mean, he rammed a police car. You do not ram a police car if you're a decent everyday guy, right? How did they get to the point where that's a problem for them, okay? And I, and I, I say this not because of the violence. I say it because of the protest itself. It reminds me of the Godfather. At the end of the Godfather, the police are the gangsters, and the gangsters are kind of acting as a police force. The whole moral world has been turned upside down, and that seems to me is what what has happened. And it's not the fault of the people who are out there. They have a sense of injustice. I'm not talking about the black experience in America. I have no authority to talk about that. I know that a, a black guy is going to be treated differently by a cop than a white guy is going to be treated differently when his car gets stopped. I don't believe that's the police officer's fault. I believe it's the fault of all the bad guys who look like that innocent man who are committing crimes. But how did they get to the point? I mean, the question that I want to ask this guy, you know, Fox News had an interview with just a guy walking by. His name was Wayne, and he's a protester. This is cut number six. And he's, and, and Wayne is trying to say what would happen, why he feels this is an injustice. And they ask him, would it be the same thing? Would you feel the same way if the dealer was white? And here's Wayne's response. 
Same set of circumstances. A guy with a bunch of priors running from the cops, rammed a couple of vehicles, but he was white. The situation would be different. I believe that they would have came after him, but I definitely believe they would have tried to bring him in alive. Right. They don't kill him. That's my firm belief. I feel like I feel like outside they actually pulling a gun. Nah, he would have they would have brought him in. They had a. Come on, camera. Let me not curse. But they they would have beat the sleeves off of them. They would have beat the sleeves off of them. It would have been a standoff. They would have did whatever they had to do. They did whatever they had to do to get them. Okay. So Wayne is telling you what, you know, the way he sees it. Okay. That's, that's his experience of life. Fair enough. I'm not trying to, like, knock down this guy. But what I would have liked to ask him if I were out there is, is this, is this the problem in your life? Is this what's bringing your life down? Is this what has made your life not what you want it to be? Is it Jason Stockley? I mean, look, if, if Stockley went out and assassinated this guy, even if he is a heroin dealer, he should be put in prison. The judge decided that didn't happen. You know, I, I, I don't know what the right verdict is, but why assume it's the wrong verdict? And is this the problem? Are the police the problem in your neighborhood? Are they really the problem? You know, is, is that really what's going on? I just feel this is not the problem of the, of the individuals out there. But their leaders and the press who sell a bill of goods that is essentially racist, that if a white cop shoots a black guy, then somehow that, that is a racial incident because of the color of the people's skin. It's racism straight up, as our, our friends on the left like to say. That is racism straight up. And this is a it, – it's a human thing to when you see – look – let, let's say you are an oppressed person. You're working in the fields and the guy who's oppressing you is sitting on the veranda of his plantation. You're going to say like whatever that guy's doing is working and whatever I'm doing is not working and you're going to adopt his values. And that's what I feel a lot of these people have done with the help from our friends on the left and with the help of the press. They've said, look, racism worked for these people. Now you adopt it and it's going to work for you. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I cannot believe that people are out on the streets activated to violence by the death of a heroin dealer who's poisoning their children, poisoning their neighbors, selling them this garbage that ruins your life. A cop shot him. Okay, yeah, explore that. Of course you should. But that's the problem in your life. It is just stupid. And there's nobody saying it. There's nobody saying the entire premise of this protest is wrong. They're all saying, well, it's not as violent as people are saying. It's not. I don't care if it's violent or not. I, obviously, it shouldn't be violent. They have the right to protest, but they're protesting something stupid. And they ought to take a different look at their lives. And their leaders, their pastors, their activists, and the press ought to help them take that look. All right. Tracker. T-R-A-C-K-R right? Because we don't, we don't use vowels anymore. What, what do I miss vowels, but tracker.com. It is a great little device. I have it in my pocket and I need it. Let me tell you, it is about the size of a, maybe a quarter, maybe it's as big as a quarter, but it weighs about as much as a dime. It's really light. If you, if, if you lose, I attached it to my keys. If I lose my keys, I go on my phone. There's an app. I press the app. My keys make a noise and it tells you on the phone because it's like ways other people are hooked up to it. it. tells you, are you getting closer? Are you getting further away? I used it just the other day. I was hiking, dropped my keys. Uh-oh, where'd I go? You know, I don't want to have to climb up the mountain again. Use it, found them immediately because it just tells you you're getting warmer, warmer, warmer. It's really easy to find. And if you do what I always do, you lose your phone, you press the tracker and your phone rings, even if it's turned off. So it really helps you find anything you need to find. It has really changed the game. It's called the Tracker Pixel, T-R-A-C-K-R Pixel, because it's, and it's, it's new, it's small. It really changes the whole game. It's the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. You can put it anywhere you want, whatever you tend to lose, and it'll help you find it. And me, like, 
that I could I could like lose my wife basically. I should put one on on her. Oh yes, I can't stop. That's right. I'm, that's a joke, folks. I'm a joke. You don't track people with. It. But anyway, <laughs> Tracker's 30 day money back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose. Go to thetracker.com and enter the promo code Claven. I, <laughs> I, I work. These are the people I work with. These are it's K L A V A N. If you enter the promo code Claven at get at thetracker.com. You'll get 20% off any order. That's thetracker.com, promo code Claven for 20% off thetracker.com, promo code Claven. It is a really, really useful device, especially for people like me. All right, we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com. You can hear the rest. You can watch the rest if you subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks. Michael Knowles is coming up to talk about the Emmys. All right, we got Knowles? No, oh my God. <laughs> the I'm, white tuxedo, the man bring. And what really bothers me, Knowles, is you own that tuxedo, don't you? You didn't rent that thing. What else am I going to wear to all the Emmys parties? <laughs> I'm sorry if I look a little bleary-eyed, but I had to stay up and watch that terrible telecast last night because you made me. <laughs> it's good for your character. It builds character. I think like, this this award, it's the Arthur Ashe Courage Award for sitting through all of that, <laughs> uh, watching it on my TV. Well, you look good. I hope you can uh, you know, beat a Russian spy off the top of a train, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you wear that thing. So it it sounded, I, I'm glad you had to watch it because I, I did. It sounded dreadful. You know, I had gone to see Aronofsky's and Jennifer Lawrence's film Mother before the telecast. <laughs> right. That movie is just Jennifer Lawrence being tortured for two hours. Yeah. The Emmys were much more torturous. They, <laughs> it was much more excruciating. I watched it. You know this. You know that rent in Hollywood is expensive. Yeah. You know, it's one of the wealthiest oh. places oh, in the yeah. world, very high rents. But Donald Trump gets to live rent-free <laughs> in the minds of every single person at that awards show last night. It's like three... Those shows are like three hours long, right? Mm -hmm. I, from pre-show until the end of the show, I pulled a few clips just to give us a flavor okay. for the entirety of America, which did not watch. But I could, go, I could give three hours of this. I'm going to be talking more about it on my show because there, there simply isn't enough time to play every low-hanging fruit, stupid Trump insult that began from the top and ran through until the end. I, it's it's amazing, and th this is this is forty million viewers, mm -hmm. potential viewers of their television show that they hate so much that they are well, happy to get rid of their that audience. Forty P million people. Potential is a key word here, Drew, <laughs> because yeah. this was the lowest rated Emmys telecast ever. It is right now in competition, neck and neck with last year's telecast hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. But it was pathetic. Stephen Colbert hosted. Obviously, he's made a lot of headlines and a lot of money on his late night show criticizing Donald Trump. It's the thing that saved his show. He would have been canceled had Trump not run for president. And so <laughs> from the beginning, you have a guy who's a good performer. He's a great showbiz guy. He's enjoyable to watch. Every single joke was about how terrible Donald Trump was. Mm. The, the headline song was everything is better on TV. And then they presented the worst imaginable world. Here's how it began at pre-show with an actress describing who she was going to root for at the awards. Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody black. Mm. <laughs> I am. 
Everybody black. Who are, who are you? You're rooting for everybody white. I'm aren't rooting you? for everybody white. Sure. I mean, uh, is that the way it works now? I mean, well, and <laughs> so the the implication here is that black people are disadvantaged at the Emmys, and certainly it's been the case over the years in Hollywood that it can be hard for black actors to get jobs. There just aren't that many roles. Right. Not true this year. It was the most diverse Emmys Awards in history among presenters and recipients. Every Hollywood breakdown now calls for, quote, diversity casting. And, of course, they mean diversity of skin color, not in any way of diversity course. of ideas. Yeah, and, it, and if what you're fighting for, if the civil rights battle you're fighting is to win more Emmys, yeah. I think most of your problems are <laughs> solved. You know? <laughs> Here was Alec Baldwin really summed up the navel-gazing nature of this awards show. In his, he, he won for his Trump impression on SNL. Here's his acceptance speech. I suppose I should say, at long last, Mr. President, here is your Emmy. <laughs> I want to thank my wife. Uh, my wife and I had three children in three years, and we didn't have a child last year during the SNL season. I wonder if there's a correlation there. All you men out there, you put that orange wig on, it's birth control, trust me. Get it? I get it. Do you get, get it? it? It's birth control. No, yeah, nobody he, wants. You know, what I love is that he's basically accepting the idea that winning those golden statuettes actually makes you a better person. That's absolutely right. George Clooney embodied this. I think last week we talked about it when he was mocking Bannon. And the worst thing he could say about Bannon is that Bannon couldn't make it in show business, <laughs> couldn't make it in Hollywood. And that to them, they are the royals. They're American royalty. And they are sneering at every single person who who can't make it up to their rarefied area. There was one semi-funny moment during the show last night, and it was a surprise appearance by Sean Spicer. Here it is. Of course, what really matters to Donald Trump is ratings. You gotta have the big numbers. And I certainly hope we achieve that tonight. Unfortunately, at this point, we have no way of knowing how big our audience is. I mean, is there anyone who could say how big the audience is? Sean, do you know? This will be the largest audience to witness an Emmys, period, both in person and around the world. Wow, that really soothes my fragile ego. I can understand why you'd want one of these guys around. Melissa McCarthy, everybody, give it up. <laughs> it's a fun bit. Spicer was a great sport about it. Mm -hmm. it, it. It at least showed some reaching across the aisle to the half of the country that doesn't agree with you guys. Right. This was the reaction in the press today. CNN, quote, why did the Emmys help Sean Spicer rebrand? Huffington Post, quote, angry viewers are in no mood to laugh at Sean Spicer's <laughs> Emmy jokes. <laughs> Is that right, Huffington Post? I say he must have talked to all the viewers. Washington Post, Sean Spicer's yucky cameo at the Emmys. Yucky, because democracy dies in darkness, and we need the Washington Post to save our, our democratic republic. It's, it's that old thing from them, the culture is ours, you can't have it. Mm -hmm. you, you human beings, you Americans, you guys who live in the country, you can't have it. It belongs to us in L.A. and New York. Don't you dare. And mm -hmm. they went on, you know, there was a bit with Ju uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus calling Trump a Nazi or saying he sympathized with Nazis. Then Colbert implied that he was a traitor. And then Jane Fonda came out and screamed 
screeched for a little bit. For some reason, she's still allowed on television. <laughs> Hanoi Jane sat on Vietnamese anti-aircraft guns, but she's going to lecture all of us. And the way that you know that they totally jumped the shark on this telecast is that Deadline, the trade paper for Hollywood, even Deadline ran this headline this morning, Emmys TV review, Donald Trump overkill stains Stephen Colbert's hosting <laughs> debut. Even Deadline, even Hollywood is acknowledging, geez, guys, maybe we should have calmed down before we went out there. You know, uh, Drudge had the great uh, headline was, uh, and the winner is Donald Trump. Because, <laughs> because you're right, he owns them. He owns them now, you know. They 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 dance on his string. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what he does... Is, is all they think about, and their virtue is now tied up with him. If, if he starts to really succeed, if the economy really starts, it, it has taken off, but if it really starts to take off, if he does good things and things start to work out, they're going to look like the biggest idiots on earth. You know, he controlled who won the awards. The big winner was Handmaid's Tale. He, oh. he, I really mean it. Yeah. He, the big winner won uh, Best Drama, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress was Handmaid's Tale simply because Donald Trump is president. Yeah. I watched a lot of that show because I'm a masochist, <laughs> and it, it is a terrible show. I mean, the writing is absurd, but just the pace of it is slow, it's tedious, it's pedantic. It isn't good. There were a lot of good shows that were out this year, Westworld, Stranger Things. Uh-uh. They had to give it to Handmaid's Tale yeah. to send a message to Donald Trump. Well, also because this is what's happening in America today. Women are being forced to wear those hats like a <laughs> flying nun. <Yeah. laughs> you, know, and, you know, Bailey at the Daily Wire made a great point, which is that the, in the introduction that Stephen Colbert does, all of the Handmaid's Tale women are walking in behind him wearing the capes and the, the head heads coverings, and then they rip it off and start doing a dance routine in a completely sexualized and objectified <laughs> manner. So way to, way to prove your point, Hollywood. So you mentioned the fact that this is the lowest rating. I mean, this is what leftists do. They come into an institution, the New York Times, Yale, as you, as you know, it's, uh, you it's know, awful entertainment industry. They take it over, they gut it of everything of worth, except it's all it becomes is a messenger of leftism. People turn it off and then they sit around and talk about, well, it's a problem with the industry. The industry is having a problem. It's not a problem with the industry. We're sick of that. You know, why Why would people want to watch people, mm -hmm. millionaires, giving them the finger for three hours? I mean, they just they don't want to see it. So you mentioned Mother. I have to ask you before I let you go. You mentioned Mother, and that was also a tremendous bomb after uh, J-Law came out and said that the hurricanes were caused at karma for Donald <laughs> Trump. Uh, Mother Nature screaming out. How's the picture? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm the only guy in America. Yeah. I have to disagree with like, National Review said it was the most vile motion picture ever yeah. released by a major studio. And uh, even the great John Nolte, correct about everything else, is wrong about this. He, he gets knows it nothing wrong. about movies. I tell him this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> People are reading it. You know, the, the movie, I think, has real artistic value. Uh -huh. And I think it's a deeply Christian movie. I think you're, it's basically just watching the Bible for two hours. Really? And it's a... Uh, there are two interpretations. One is that Mother, played by Jennifer Lawrence, is Mother Nature. She's Gaia, who we have destroyed. And, uh, and in this reading, it's basically an environmentalist diatribe. And there's some reason for this. Jennifer Lawrence has been yapping about it on the press trail. And even Aronofsky, the director, who directed the environmentalist version of Noah, right. has said that these interpretations are valid. But I, I don't think they're valid. And Aronofsky would not be the first artist to not understand his own work, I think the, the picture makes a lot more sense as a Miltonian uh, al Christian allegory in which Jennifer Lawrence isn't Mother Nature, but she's Satan. She's Lucifer. Interesting. And I think when you watch it in that way, 
the relationship between Lucifer and God, the relationship between man and God and Lucifer and what causes the fall of Satan yeah. and what causes the fall of man, it makes a lot more sense. Certain scenes make a lot more sense. And the key to the movie is that it's told from Jennifer Lawrence's point of view. Huh. So you can't always rely on things. She's taking palliative drugs throughout. You're, you're yeah. always wondering what's going on. It is a real Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's. I think it's worth seeing, but then again, conservatives are philistines, and we hate watching <laughs> like anything black, that's cultural. I the Black Swan was a good film. Michael Knowles, the Michael Knowles Show comes on after this, and you will continue to talk about the Emmys, right? I, I mean, I've got three more hours to talk about. <laughs> it It only gets more ridiculous. More importantly, will you still be wearing the white tux? Uh, well, I'm never taking it off. I, I, okay. this, is the, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to a, a real Hollywood Awards show now, so I gotta I gotta keep it on. <laughs> yeah, so tune into the Michael Knowles Show because he's sacrificed his career to. <laughs> Bring you the truth. All right, I Nola. have no regrets. I'll no regrets, Drew. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Uh, our crappy culture. <laughs> did, did we write that music? Or <laughs> no, it just found it on the. I know it's your favorite song. <laughs> God, God, it's awful. So I have to tell you about I was in New York over the weekend. And on Friday, Friday morning, I was in the hotel gym on the elliptical machine, which is one of my, I, I take hikes all the time because to, to avoid the gym, I hate being on the elliptical machine. I find it excruciatingly boring. But usually I can find some really, uh, there are two shows that actually make the elliptical machine time pass. One is Law & Order, which is like this magic show for just sucking time out of the air. I don't know why it works so well. And the other is Blue Bloods, which is kind of dopey, but it's sentimental and, and uh, conservative, and I like it, and it just makes the time pass. But I decided, you know what? It's Friday morning. I ought to catch up with the news. I'm going to watch cable news. So I'm switching between Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and for a little bit, I visited CBS, I think it was, one of the networks. So on Fox News, they're talking about the London bombing, right? They just put off this London bomb. They have an expert on one of these former guys. There's all these guys, former, you know, Navy SEAL or whatever he was. He was a former security guy. And he starts talking about how with just, I'm not, I won't tell you what he said exactly, but he starts saying, you know, just a little bit of simple work and some really easy to get things. This guy could have made a much more dangerous bomb. Much more. He could have killed you know, dozens of people, dozens of, dozens of people he's talking about. And he tells you how to do it. He tells you, I'm sitting there watching this and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? And, and nobody's cutting this guy off and saying, don't explain. I mean, it was so simple that anybody could have done it. And I just thought like, yeah, unbelievable. So I switch over to CNN. And on CNN, the anchor woman, I couldn't remember, they all, all those anchor women look exactly alike to me on CNN. And I, I could not, cannot remember which one it was, but she's explaining how Antifa is good because they're anti-fascist. No, 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 they're anti-fascist. And I'm thinking, you know, when you put on a mask and you beat people up for their opinions, ah, you're not anti-fascist. Now, look, you, you can have a debate. You can have an interesting conversation. Is white supremacy worse than Antifa, whatever you want, which is more dangerous? All kinds of things you can talk about. But she's explaining, like, like it's so simple. They're, no, but they're anti-fascist, so they're good, you know? And I thought, all right, so I turn over to MSNBC, and MSNBC, the Joe Scarborough show was on. Morning Joe, and they have the editor of the new anti-Trump, uh, of the Atlantic Monthly, and they're promoing the Atlantic Monthly's new anti-Trump issue. 
So it's got, you know, stories, will American democracy recover, the sudden decline of a superpower, the whitest White House, you know, all this stuff, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. And the guy says to him, you know, there's a quote in this month's issue that says this, this, and this. And the guy, I guess his name is Jeffrey Goldberg, I want to say, is the uh, editor. And he says, well, which article was that in? And the guy interviewing him says, well, it's, it, what it says was this, this, and this. And he says, yeah, but we got articles by Ta-Nehisi Coates. We got articles by all these different people. Which article? I, I can't respond because you're not telling me which articles. Interviewer had no idea. He just had a card with a quote in it. He's asking this guy an opinion. Now, I don't expect him to read the entire magazine, but at least he could. No, so now I turn on CBS, and on I think it's CBS, and on CBS there's a, a beautiful anchor woman in New York and a beautiful anchor woman in Washington. What they're talking about is, wow, you look great in that yellow dress, really, because your red is just perfect. And I'm thinking, like, we are drowning in stupid. I mean, I don't watch a lot of this stuff, you know. I watch it enough I, to keep up with the news. I try to keep up with everything and I try to know stuff. But I try to read a lot because there's information. I can judge it better. We are awash in stupid. I, this, this is, it was like a sewage line had broken, a line in the sewer had broken and flooded the airways with sewage. I mean, this is, I, and I'm talking about, these, this is every point in the spectrum, right? This is like, well, it's not, it's Fox and everybody else, but, but all of them, I just thought like, really, you know, and, and look, some days there's not that much news and some days you got to talk about stuff, but why not talk about stuff that's, you know, educational? Why not actually educate people about what's going on instead of talking about, well, I guess he, I guess Fox was educating people on how to make a really dangerous bomb in case they wanted to blow up the subway. You know, there's a new poll from the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg Public Policy Center says people know shockingly little about the most basic elements of our government and the constitution, okay? More than one in three people, 37%, could not name a single right protected by the First Amendment, okay? Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, all that stuff. Couldn't name a single right, 37%, right? Only one in four people, 26%, can name all three branches of the government. Only one in four people. I mean, this was the stuff they taught us in elementary school, you know, right? This was our civics lesson. One in four people can name all three branches. One in three people can't name any branch of government. 33% can't name any branch in government. A majority, 53%, believe the Constitution affords undocumented immigrants no rights whatsoever. Of course, everybody who's on U.S. soil is entitled to due process of law and the right to make their case in the courts and all that stuff. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like all that airtime, all that time to talk, and nobody's telling you about the branches of government. Nobody's telling you anything. They can't take all that time instead of sitting around and discussing, you know, a quote in a magazine you haven't even read or talking about what color dress you're wearing. They can't take any time to educate Americans. And certainly some of this has been done on purpose. I mean, I, I feel so strongly that our young people and not just young people, because some of these newsmen, some of these people who are running are, are anchoring CNN, anchoring Fox News, anchoring these places, some of them are victims of this. They have not been, they have been purposely denied their heritage, purposely denied uh, being taught about this in order to have these people teach them that Black Lives Matter and this is, you know, and gay rights and all this stuff that they could come, conclusions they could come to by themselves or not if they had some information and some facts. You know, Megan Fox, who work, uh, writes uh, over where I write too at uh, PJ Media, she writes this piece about a sign that is now appearing in many restaurants. Do we have a picture of the sign? There it is. Okay. 
I'll, I'll read it to you in case you're right. It says, hate has no business here. So this is in a storefront window. All, it says, are welcome here. We respect women. We value black lives. We stand with our LGBT community members. We stand with immigrants and refugees and people of all faiths. We stand with our community. All are welcome here. And there's a rainbow heart, okay? So Megan Fox writes, let me interpret that sign for you, you low IQ dunce. These signs are to let you know, you hateful lover of law and order and restraint and decorum, that you are not welcome here. Contrary to all are welcome, you will notice that one group is decidedly missing. It's you. You think abortion is murder, so you don't stand with women, even though half of those babies being killed are girls. You favor legal immigration, so you don't stand with immigrants, which means allowing anyone, including ISIS, to just sally over the border willy-nilly as they please. You believe in traditional marriage and the children should not be denied a mother and father. And so you do not stand with the LGBT community. I mean, the, the thing, the reason this is stupid is, is this. It fails to distinguish different kinds of issues. Okay. There's an issue of racism. This is a real issue. People are racist. We've had a history of racism against black people, specifically in this country. That's a real issue. As I've said a million times on this podcast, it's a sin against God. We are made in the image of God. You don't like the way people are made. You are spitting in the face of God. You are literally spitting, not literally, you're figuratively spitting in the face of God. So that's one issue. Okay. Gay issues on which I'm kind of liberal and which I'm a liberal, that's a different issue. That's something people do. It's not about your feelings. It's not about who you desire. It's something people do that you can have a debate. Is what you're doing wrong? Is what you're doing right? Is what you're doing nobody's business? Is what you're doing somebody's business? That's a debate. It is not, there are not two sides, you know, gay marriage and hate. That There are two sides that can be argued there because you're talking about a, an action. An action can be judged, right? If I punch you in the head, that's an action that can be judged. I can't be judged for having black skin or white skin. That's absurd, you know, but you can judge a person's actions. Finally, we stand with people of all faiths. Well, I'm not sure I stand with people of all faiths. I stand with all people who worship God peacefully, of course, but that some, some uh, tenets of religions are wrong. Some tenets of religions are bad. Some tenets of religion are not, are toxic. And some are just in conflict with other values. And we can discuss that. We can talk about that. We can't do it from a position of hate. It's not a question of like throwing a grenade into your mosque or temple or, or church. It's a question of discussing these things. These are all different kinds of issues that have been blended together to make you stupid. They are trying to make you stupid so that they can take power. It's, it is, we are awash in stupid and that is our crappy culture. Can we, I, I want to see the crappy culture again. I hear that beautiful music. That's right. Hey, hey. <laughs> and I'll be humming that tune all day. All right. Tomorrow we have a special interview. I should have talked about this before. Uh, I discovered recently a popularizer. Uh, he's a philosopher, of, uh, uh, has a doctorate in philosophy, but he's a popularizer of philosophy. A guy named Edward Fazer. I thought his name was Fesser. I was going to call him Professor Fesser, but his name is Edward Fazer. Uh, I gave his book to uh, Ben or recommended his book to Ben and Shapiro has been touting on his show. We're both very... Uh, uh, impressed with this guy. I had him on the show. We had a really great conversation. I, we taped a conversation. We're going to play some of that. Uh, we're going to play the whole thing, actually, tomorrow. So that will be part of the show. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. You will want to be here tomorrow and hear that. <laughs>